Welcome to our space where talking about the inspiring things with inspiring people is what inspires us. Waiting for you here are the infinite possibilities that creation, collaboration and connection have to offer. A universe where we see everything through roasting the spectacles that help us to keep our faith in the power of imagination alive and well. Let's talk. Born in the Amazon, award-winning performer, writer, director, and theater maker, Gael Lekornek is our guest today. She developed a work of theater that is mainly based in themes related with genre, identity, stereotypes, and displacement. She speaks four languages, and she has been on stage Frida Kahlo, Camille Claudel, and more recently for an online production, even Anna Mendieta. But she has also been every on her women immigrant. She also runs her own theater company, One Foot Productions, and I'm very, very pleased to welcome Gael Lekornek to Metralla Rosa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm really <laughs> impressed. Uh, no. I haven't learned my own biography. Uh, well, well, I, 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 I mean, do it, great. I do it for you. I'm really happy because I know you are juggling at the moment four different projects. Yeah. I know you just mm -hmm. finished performing a very interesting show. And let's start for the, for the, for the not for the beginning, for, but for the last thing you have done, yeah. which is this play. Um, Site-specific provenance, yeah. Exactly. Uh, it, it, it was very interesting and very COVID-friendly. Yeah. Uh, behind Closed Doors. That was the name of the Yeah, project. perfect, yeah. So tell me about that project and tell me about the experience because that's after a year without theater. Gosh, yeah. We um, are super excited. Everyone was, I, I read the, the comments yeah. and everyone was super happy to have a little bit of space for dreaming, yeah. to dream again. Exactly, like the audience was very warm towards this uh, this uh, promenade performance because I guess you know audience was like oh finally something is happening live after so many online productions and audio stories only and then yeah uh, basically how it happened was that I was invited by um, 27 degrees uh, company um, so they do lots of immersive experiences and um, they needed four actors and one of the characters was a Latin American woman uh, like um, quite posh, living in, in shortage. Eva, um, Eva? Eva Garcia. Yeah, Eva Garcia. And I love this name. <laughs> yes, I want to do that. <laughs> Eva Garcia. So I was playing her. And uh, and yeah, basically I self-taped. Was she posh? For them. She that's was... not the, the classical stereotype. Exactly. That's why I loved it. They really were trying to like change stereotypes on the, all the characters were migrants. But Amazing. They, were, they really were playing with this idea of changing the stereotypes, what you think a Latin American person is, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and yeah, it was a, a great experience. So the audience would walk on the streets and see um, four uh, different windows with those four different characters in it in their own space. So I was in a kitchen. It was a perfect wife mother uh, with the cutest dog uh, with makeup done makeup makeup done <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> but hiding another side of like hectic, you know, with newborn baby and really trying a bit nervous and okay. trying to do everything perfectly and going a bit, a bit mental. Okay. <laughs> and, and how was the experience with the audience? Were they there? Were they using their, their phones? I couldn't understand really the description of the play. Could you, could you tell us? Yes, sure. Um, so it was um, an audio story and an immersive experience simultaneously. Okay. Um, so people would turn up at, let's say, different times. So there was 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock, etc., up to 10 p.m. So turn up in bubbles and then they would have an, uh, their phones. Okay. They use a headphone and they had a, an app for the project. And they'll press the app, choose a um, journey that they wanted to follow. Oh, right. So there were different themes like uh, madness, music, sensuality. Fun. fun. Yeah, you know that. I know that because you said, please don't go to that one because you're not going to see <laughs> yeah. me. And people chose that and they would, when they arrived, at, they, it would send them to a specific window on a street with a number, 21 Wilton Such street. a good idea. It's so, it's so intelligent. Yeah, it's really, really well done. And then they'll press play, hear the voice of um, a neighbor talking about the character in front of them. Okay. So it was always the perspective of others. Very which interesting. Which I thought was so interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. So lucky of you to have been there. Yes. It felt I, like a historical moment. Post-pandemic, first show out, I'm in. <laughs> that's amazing. I, and also you were playing a Latin American instead of a Brazilian uh, yeah. in this opportunity, which is also something lovely that happens with you i actually feel very weird when i have to talk with a brazilian in english because i feel like there should be a, a, a language in between yeah spanish and portuguese to connect it's really weird to talk in 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 a language which is so far away yeah when i normally listen to portuguese and i understand 90 of, course, yeah, of yeah, what yeah. they say so it's 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 but we could have done this in spanish <laughs> In Spanish and Portuguese, we, it would we, have we been perfect. Next time. perfect. <laughs> I I had to do a work ages ago. Sorry for this self reference in Brazil, and um, because I was off camera, mm -hmm. I was interviewing people in Spanish, and they were answering Portuguese, and it was just perfect. All I did wow. a lot of interviews like that, and it was just perfect. So next time, let's do that. <laughs> Yeah. But you have explored the theme of stereotypes in many, many occasions. Yeah. Obviously, it's something that interests you. What would you say is, uh, for all of us, Latin Americans uh, or South Americans, in this country, a common stereotype that you don't feel quite comfortable with? It's just, um, I guess we start not feeling comfortable with something if there is a pattern or a repetition and you are constantly like put into that box. This is what you can do. This is what you play, you mm -hmm. know, as a as an artist mm -hmm. or as an actor, especially. So um, a lot of the times it was when I started my career, it was uh, sexual workers, prostitutes, cleaner is a typical. And and um, actually, I there are people who do, all, of course, all these works and and. It, and uh, it is uh, valid stories to tell, I think, also. But then when, you know, if you are Brazilian, this is what you can play and that's it. When you are reduced to that, then it mm -hmm. becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, yeah. 
and I also if uh, th there are some uh, aspects of the idios idiosyncratic aspects that are also a weight on your shoulders for example being um, not being joyful but not very analytical for example or being always happy or not being yeah. able to yeah. to have some depth yeah which is it's, it's unfair because we we all have different stories like like people here as well so it's never fair yeah to be put in a box absolutely but um it's interesting because i think sometimes um um we always see stereotypes as a very this very negative thing which uh, because it has an impact on us especially <laughs> when we are stereotypes but also i try sometimes to see it, I think stereotypes exist also for the other person who is stereotyping you to try to understand who you are mm -hmm. sometimes. And it's, so it's our duty to kind of challenge that. Yes. You know? And without resentment also. We, I because, think so, yeah. yes, because absolutely. coming from this understanding that we all need to name what we don't understand and we, what we don't know well. So... It's also natural, I also understand that, that it's also natural to believe that certain nationalities, you never have been there, you don't know that world, you don't know that ecosystem, and then you have an idea, and your idea, yeah. of course, is limited, because your experience regarding that idea is also limited. Yeah. And in that sense, you have done an amazing, amazing work. But I'm especially interested in, you came to this country from Brazil. Yeah. And you are from north of Brazil. Brazil is a continent. I mean, yeah. that's not a country. It's very unfair to try to classify It's a big chunk Brazilians of South America. In one way, because it, 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 yeah. it isn't fair. So tell me about that part of Brazil where you come from? So I was born in the Amazon in uh, a city called Belém do Pará, which is in uh, the state of Pará. Is that Belém? Belém. I went to Belém. You went to Belém? Yes. Amazing. <laughs> I don't know many people who've been there. So that's, I went. That's really oh, nice. I loved it. I, lo it. I had the opportunity to travel Brazil with something that I don't know if it exists yet, but it's, it was called it was a, a ticket that you could take and right. go, a pass okay a pa like an euro pass but, one, ah, one, but by plane but by yeah. plane okay cool and i went to brazil because my mom was invited to assist in uh a feminist congresso un congresso yes. feminista a feminist a round table or yeah. a conference okay a big event right with feminists from all over the world wow. and then we stay and we did this huge travel it's one of the experiences so you went I with your mom? treasure more with my mom and my How? sister. Oh, wow. My mom was the only one that took her two daughters and my sister. I was like 14, 13, yeah. 14. For me, it was an amazing experience in every way. So I, you can imagine yeah. how much I love Brazil. I just think it's an amazing, amazing country. And yes, I went to so Belém. So you went to Belém? Yeah. How old were you? 14? Okay, 14? so you, you remember. Yeah, I do remember. Um, yeah, so I was born in Belen. Uh, my mom is from Belen and my dad is French. And uh, when I was a teenager, they moved to across the river, across the Amazon River to a tiny city. Well, it's a town. It's still, I guess for Brazil, it's small, but it's still quite big for European standards. Yeah. Uh, Macapá. Okay. Uh, so on the other side of the Amazon River. 
um, because it became very violent. As many cities in the Amazon, it's there's quite a yeah, it's a, it's a difficult uh, relationship I think that exists between people there in those cities. So they moved to a smaller city because I was becoming a teenager, so I could grow up a bit more freely, more secure. Yeah, because they used safe. to literally pick me up at the school and go back mm. home, you know, in a car, and then my papa could just walk the streets by myself, and it was fine. Um, yeah, but it was uh, so. Um, when I say I'm from the Amazon, and people think, "Oh, you are where?" They think it's from the, the forest, jungle. from the jungle. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and yes, I did spend a lot of my childhood going to the Amazon forest because my parents had this uh, beautiful land an hour away from, no, two and a half hours away from the city where we would go and there was this beautiful little river stream. No, they sold it. They have another one now okay. in, in the other, on the other side of the river. <laughs> Great. But yeah, but it's, uh, so I, every weekend would go there. So there is this connection indeed with, uh, with the nature with, the, with nature yeah is is the people from this area of brazil reserved or, or are they joyful are they um, uh, extroverts uh, how would you describe a little bit your experience when you were there in that it's uh, it's hard because um again it's hard to describe mm. everybody in a way um but uh, in terms of heritage a lot of people from the amazon have um, indigenous heritage, of course. Today uh, black is indigenous and the white. Day of the... Yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah. Yes, 19. Is it 19 today? Nine, no, no, today is 20. 20. Yes. You are right. I'm it so was yesterday. Yes. We are recording uh, this on 20th of 20. April. But, you know, time is like relative, so it's fine. Especially, especially <laughs> on the web. Yeah. So you will see this maybe he... in 10 years. Yeah, and exactly. <laughs> Still, is still the idea is to make documents that can still be um, uh, evergreen somehow. Yeah. Uh, that, but but yes, I I'm interested because we have the tendency of um, make a a uniform of what Brazil maybe means for yeah. all of us, yeah. and maybe in this area because of the indigenous um, strong presence. I tend to think that maybe people is a little bit more reserved than in other places of Brazil. I think you're right. Yes, I don't know if it's also your childhood memories from <laughs> that no, region. No, but I, I think, think in general so. all Indians country in yes. South America that have a strong indigenous presence or heritage. Not like the Caribbean. I come from the Caribbean, uh -huh. a Caribbean country, so it's all about party and beach and daikiri but, not so much <laughs> but in, in these areas Brazil. the music the temperament the, the way people face life is more is slower and more reflexive oh gosh yeah it is slower yeah it is um i guess that's why i left <laughs> that, that that's the reason you did you feel trapped um not why, trapped, why, but I always were, had this European you? connection to my, my dad. My, mm -hmm. my dad is still with my mom in the Amazon. They live together there. But they were very keen for me to go and see the world because, um, I mean, there's no way to do what I do in Brazil anyways would be much more difficult, right? I, I don't know if I would make a living of it. And uh, here I'm, I'm quite lucky in a sense mm. of being or able maybe. to survive as an artist. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. Yes, it's hard, it's hard to, tell. to tell. But in North Brazil, there isn't this industry. Mm. 
Um, so I would have to have left at some point, probably, if I really decided at that time that's what I wanted to do. But how um, old were you when you arrived here? This is important because I think when you arrived you couldn't you you, you I didn't speak English. 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 Not I, I spoke like we two, also three words. That, then. <laughs> yeah. I so basically I left Belém to go to Sao Paulo to do a university in Sao Paulo. Biology. Uh, biology. Oh my god, you know my life better Crazy. than me. <laughs> It's all there. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Sorry. Just exposed my life I was on the talking web. <laughs> it's my work. They call it. They call it research. You're an investigator. <laughs> yes, it's but nice. they, why biology? Because I was from the Amazon, and I felt a duty to somehow do something that would be useful to when I went back home. Mm. So I didn't know what I want to do. Um, you know, it's hard to choose when you are like 16, 17. Oh, you know, you have to choose now what you're going to do for the rest of your life. It's ridiculous in a way. I can't see it in my daughter, right? yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't difficult for me. It is different for everyone. Right. But I under, completely understand. For me, it, yeah. I, I, I was doing theatre already at the time. Mm. However, I, I had this thing that... Um, I felt that theatre wasn't something that could be done professionally. It, it was, was just a hobby. a hobby. Because that's how it was in mm -hmm. the Amazon. It was a hobby for people. And so I decided to um, just go and do something else. So I did biology um, because it felt useful. And it is something useful, of course, to do. And environmental studies. So I went mm -hmm. to Sao Paulo, graduated in four years, came to England to study English, to learn the language, so I could do a post-graduation. Wow. Then I fell into a learn English through theatre course <laughs> at Hammersmith and City College, I remember. Okay. And, and, and then, I, uh, yeah. You fell in love. I fell in love, that's it. So your I, plan wasn't to stay here? No, not at all. It was to come for six months, a year. How do you feel in that sense? Do you feel that you have betrayed your original... Um, no. no idea no 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 no, no. Um, you know it, it just happened in a way so somehow theater started growing on you as an idea yeah. of professional option here yeah. and english as well yeah. at the same time yes so that makes these two things very strongly connected in you indeed and that's why i think i write in english as a okay. playwright um, I do. I've never written a play in Portuguese. Never. Never. I really. I really should. Do you write in Portuguese? Or I do. Yes, I do. I do. I, do. I what, write what poetry. Kind of... Okay. I did write mm, short stories sense. a while ago, but plays and and like films, they all come in English. Amazing. I'm amazing because you know what's what's hard to do something in a language get so used to know this language and do this thing in this language yeah. and then have to do it in another one yeah that really plays out with your mind it's really hard yeah but no, if no, you grow organically this way it makes completely sense and and makes you feel that that English belongs to you in that way. It's your theater language. It's, it's your it way is, to express is, yeah. your creativity or, or this facet of you, this face of you, which is amazing. And what, which one was your first play? This I don't know. 
I, you know why you don't know? Because I don't know. Because otherwise you would know. <laughs> I would have written it somewhere. Okay. I know I you had a huge suce- success with Frida. And you made an amazing Frida. I haven't seen it, but the photos, oh, I can tell that you. it was amazing. And and also because all, all that happened, all the reviews you, you got. But what, which one was the first you sit down and first. said? Okay, so I started as, um, I was wanting to be a director. Okay, only. Writer-director. And um, I did this course with Stone Crabs Theatre Company, lovely company in Deptford, who had this uh, one-year-long course for people who are from minority ethnics, who had never done theatre, and it was a, like professionalizing, teaching you the basics. Okay. So I did that course for a year. And um, and then I started just acting for everybody else, for all the other directors in the course. Every time they needed an actor, like, okay, someone go there and play uh, this character, and no one would go. And okay, okay, and this is how it kind of started. I trained as a director, and then I still direct, and that. But that's how you know I, I started developing as an actor. And then realized, oh, actually, I can do this. And doing workshops and people say, you know, you can really do this. <laughs> I would say, okay, I can do this. Okay. And then I did it. And you started working <laughs> professionally and having exactly. a... Okay. And, and directing yourself, how, how difficult is that? Because how, how self-conscious you are of making... Maybe I'm not pushing myself enough. Maybe because, you know, when you react from another person, yeah. you never expect what they... They, if they push you to directions uh-huh. you don't expect, you, you ne- you're not ready, yeah. but you do it. But when you have to direct yourself, I, I guess it's very hard. Um, maybe self-doubt plays a part. Not, not really. I, I don't know. I'm, I feel my mind is so busy trying to tell the story mm, and trying to find the form that I don't have time for self-doubt when Amazing. I'm in rehearsals. And this is something because I teach a lot as well. I teach a, I'm teaching at master's levels now um, at Rose Bruford. She's a, a great drama wow. school here. Um, and I teach at East 15 as well. And uh, I always tell my students to eliminate. That's the thing you want to get rid of is self-doubt. Because it's not useful in any way. It's just your personal issue coming out. Exactly. It's nothing to do with the art, with the work. And and with with the story. story. The story is the most important thing. So that's what you should focus on. That's why you are good. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, that's a very amazing answer because... It, it has to be everything about the storytelling. Absolutely, Telling the story yeah. is your thing. Don't worry about anything else. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's almost like it's coming through, you know, it's a, you are a vector. Your body is an instrument. Your voice is an instrument. The yeah. story is more important. So when Frida came, uh, you were in that play that you had a lot of very good reviews and success and you did an amazing character. When that came to your life, you were just acting? You were doing a little bit of everything like you have always done? Um, to Frida, yeah, I was acting already. I was um, acting professionally in quite a few plays. And then um, I did a short... Was it I, did a, I, did, I had done a solo no. before Frida. Uh, it, it, was English. English. it was Sorry. in English. It was in English. It was in English. A little bit of Spanish here and there. Here and there. Why do you speak <laughs> Spanish? Um because I worked for CASA, that's an American theatre festival, Okay. for quite a few years as a programmer and curator. Did you learn like that? 
I, I did. That's I went hard. To, I no, but I speak Portuguese. It's I mean, true. as you know, we understand, right? Yeah. yeah. And I went to um, to Mexico for a bit. When I, I got the role of Frida, I said, "Oh, I'm gonna go to Mexico. I want to learn everything about her." So I stayed there for a couple of months, and then with Casa, I also traveled through South America to festivals, international festivals, watching plays to bring them to the UK. So I went to Chile. I went to Colombia. Wow, um, so my that, Spanish that, that just was got better. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. and I know Frida. It's a very well-known character. I know we all think we know her. I, I know we all feel like it, it belongs to all of us, yeah. especially us women, and especially us women from South America that are interested in the arts. But what did you learn through that immersion, immersion that you had in that? Uh, trying to know that character as better as possible that for you was a revelation something you didn't know yes. about her very good question um, so the image that I feel the majority of people have of Frida is that she was a woman who would um, be um, a woman who was quite strong but had this uh, that had a lot of pain right and that she would paint this pain and because we we see those paintings of her with her like crying her self-portraits crying and in pain and sometimes um hurting herself physically and mm -hmm. blood and all that um then people think that she that she was someone who was always sad um and intense. intense and sad and she, i think she was intense and there were moments of sadness for sure But what I discovered researching about her, especially reading all the biographies that existed about Frida, was that she was the opposite of that. She was warm. She was full of friends. She was someone who told jokes. She would laugh uh, with carcajadas. How do you say carcajadas? <laughs> exactly. Uh, she was full of life. <clears throat> she was... But that makes sense. Death. She was life. Because her paintings you were have death. overcome... All that if it weren't because of that spirit, obviously. I mean, yeah, it's not exactly. obvious for everyone, but that makes right? sense. Yeah, yeah and, the, and painting for her was a way of healing. So that's why you see all that intensity in the paintings and death, the presence of death. Because she knew she, her body was broken. She knew she was going to, to go at some point, at some point yeah. probably earlier than most people. And uh, and yeah, but she, yeah, it's an incredible, incredible character. Did you did you put that uh, warm? Uh, Absolutely. I, would, I would say that yes. she was even tender. Sometimes yes. I have her her voice. Yes. She was even sweet and yeah. and tender, like like a very beautiful, fragile. Sometimes not fragile. In yeah. she was very strong, but she could act in a way that could be like. Mm, You know, someone especially, you want to hug. Or... Especially when she was with Diego, I think. I think, yes, <laughs> I think she would play that, that... Maybe, maybe, yes. Because that, that little girl kind of... Uh, this documentary that... uh, film I saw, yeah. she was with him, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and um, her, her early life, I think she was more like like that. More like a little girl. And she really grew into becoming a very strong woman. And her voice became quite... Um, like uh, deeper yeah. as she got old because she used to smoke a lot. Do you grow along the character or do you yes. play a specific period? I, I play a specific moment of her life. So she is, it's the Day of the Dead in Mexico 
and that she feels that uh, you know death is coming so mm -hmm. it's sort of the end of her life but i go back in time it's more on a, of an emotional journey um, than this beautiful play by umberto robles a mexican writer uh, it's an emotional journey of frida more than like uh, you know a narrative yeah. that like mm -hmm. follows the events so it goes back on time but she is on the day of the dead uh, in mexico waiting for death to arrive Mm. But it's full of life. It's called Viva la Vida. We, we, okay. And it's all about the life and about the, her laughing and waiting for, for Diego as well to come back to see how he never comes. Um, it's really beautiful. I know this is a very weird or maybe silly question, but did you felt her presence or energy at, at any point? Of the, I mean, because it can also be your own mind just making oh my God, you... I, I did. You did? I, I, yes. <laughs> Yes, so many times I, I feel totally like um, empowered to play this character. It really, it really feels that I I was born to play that character. <laughs> it's just such a weird thing. It's good to feel that she was blessing you. Yeah, that she was yeah. giving you her bless. Like yeah. okay. And I'm good. so grateful for the um, the director who proposed it to me to do this. Like. 12 years ago, the first time I did it. And then we revived last year at the vault. Oh, really? And he, um, so... I hope you do it again. Yeah, me too, me too. <laughs> oh, it's going to be uh, online um, soon. I will send you the details because we recorded yes. it. So we are cleaning it to be able to share it in a couple of months online. So Wow, that's going to be it's a like joy. Theatre recorded. It's not like recorded in the way. But well, it's still still a window that you can open to to enjoy to enjoy the, yeah. the beautiful work. We you you. I'm sure you did because all the reviews were very moving, very touching. And after Frida um, came Camille Claudel. Yeah. Was it after Frida? It was a few uh, years I, after. Okay. Yeah, 2012. So you 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 did you felt like okay. It's interesting to to bring to life historical characters, mm -hmm. women that maybe needs to be known for where they really were. Yeah. And uh, this is a way to tell the story of any women Absolutely. at the end of the day. Yeah. So um, that's something that I really like to do. I'm very interested in uh, to keep keep to keep doing, doing that and and um, retelling the stories of those women through their own words through. Uh, their perspectives. So with Camille Claudel, she's quite well known in France, of course. Even uh, in South America. That's in America. <clears throat> she's quite known. Yeah, I saw the movie. Yes, there are like two or three now. You saw okay. the one with Isabella Janine. Yes, right? amazing, yes. beautiful. I saw movie. that when I was a yeah, kid. I, I saw that, that one at the cinema. Oh wow! Okay. No, it wasn't. I don't know if it was new because I saw yeah. it in a, one of these theaters that they, they sometimes show old movies. Right. So I can't remember, but but I saw that one, yeah. Yeah, it was a beautiful film. I was it a kid a when, I, when I watched it and I remember it till now. And um, and I realized there was no play in English about Camille Claudel and she was not so well known in England. Yeah. Yeah. Rodin, yes, you know, but Camille. No, and I'm Who like, oh, hold on a second. <laughs> and I just wanted to, yeah, um, to basically tell her story so people get to know her. So I wrote the first play in English um, about Camille Claudel, and this play has been translated in three languages. 
and uh, it's wow. being played in Mexico by another Amazing. actress, Yuri Fanjul. It got nominated for Best Monologue there. And next year, I'm bringing it back. I can't that's, say the theater yet, but that's yeah, I'm so doing good, it again. Because if what you wanted was to spread the importance of a figure that was in the shadow of a man, of a man? You, you, yeah. you are being successful in that sense, in that regard. Obviously, it's being translated, it's being yeah, played in it's, other countries. So that's, uh, that, that's, that's really, incredibly good. And I never thought when I when I wrote the play, because I did it on, a, on like a very small budget, mm -hmm. I wrote the play, took it to Edinburgh, played her myself, direct did everything i had friends helping and i never thought i would get the return you know somehow of people wanting to buy the play and wanting to translate it after i've done it um so it's it's a nice thing when you it's, do something with passion you, you you get it back and it's amazing because you you did biology and then social <laughs> studies but you never did uh, you ne never had the opportunity to do drama in a school, no. let's say, no. but you have done drama all your la professional life yeah. la as a professional, and now you teach. So, what's more important for you when you teach? What's the what's the real thing you would like to inspire? Not only with I with your example, but trying trying to make a theory out of an idea. Mm. What, what's this idea in your head about? What should be theater? What sh theater should be about? Um, it should be about anything that you have a passion for and uh, theatre should be um, alive and that's something that's very important in the live experience of being in a room with people. It's a shared experience mm. and it's alive. It's a life, uh, alive, al an alive experience. Should yeah, be alive life. and alive exactly. experience. Exactly. Because and when I say alive, I also mean because there's so much um, theater out there that I feel is a bit dead mm. in a way that is just about people saying words, you know, or like mm -hmm. actors just saying words, or uh, it's a little bit like this, you know, <laughs> it's a bit like one level, flat. flat. Yeah. And then when I say it's alive, you have to bring the passion, bring the life that exists in all your your human body and, and that's skin never only the words. That's yeah. the, an, an energetic uh, commitment. Absolutely. It, it, yeah. You need to bring all your energy and find that energy. It's not easy, but that's the that's, that's the, the job. That's the job. Yeah. Of the actor, yeah. And also I guess because you have created your own way to express theater, mm. to create th theater, probably also out of rejection many times. Oh gosh. So yeah. for you, <laughs> I guess it's also important to tell your students, do it, do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, do it your way, create your language, create your, your uh, everything can yeah. be done at the end of the day if you do it properly and with passion, as you were saying. Absolutely. And um, we've been doing this, storytelling things since the beginning of times you know the first storyteller is our mothers mm -hmm. speaking to us singing to us right and oh i got goosebumps yeah, <laughs> oh. I, I i had a i had a vision of my daughter crying every time i was singing a song to make her sleep she was oh. always crying didn't know why, but she was, she was feeling sad in 
every time I, I was super it was a funny. moving song <laughs> it was funny it, yeah it was a moving song probably for her yeah for her yeah it wasn't for me but yeah yeah you are so right. it's part of everybody's life in a way so we know it mothers know how to be storytellers parents know right yeah. bedtime stories um, and uh, actors are just um, creators in theatre. They evolve from we are an evolution of, of that. I think somehow. In that in that sense, I can imagine how challenging now that we are talking about childhood was to direct a play that you decided to tell from the perspective of a child. The other, the other, like, yeah. And, and also you learn a technique that is really beautiful and it's quite rudimentary, but it's yeah. very, at the same time, very sophisticated if you do it It was properly. bloody hard, I'll tell you <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, it's really me, hard because it's so technical. Story. Yeah. So I wanted to um, tell the story about a refugee and um, because I was very affected by reading all the articles about... We are talking about what year? The other. What year? Of oh, the, what year? Sorry, what year? 2016. Okay. Um, it was the, the refugee crisis, 15. It started in 14, I think, went on. I mean, it's still, it, it, mm -hmm. it's still there, right? Um, but it was really in all, all of the papers and was affecting me a lot. And I, I was like, I wanted to do something. They wanted to do a play about it. And, um, and then I started to think, how could I do that? And I couldn't. I didn't want to play uh, Syrian. I didn't want to do a verbatim play where you use the real lives or the real words of uh, people uh, who have experienced uh, trauma and then, you know, a play that... I wanted to create something that I felt everybody anywhere could relate to. I wanted a universal story. So I basically transposed the idea of um, uh, this little girl who is a, a refugee uh, searching for um, a safe place, going from one planet to another. Okay. Uh, so I really created this fictional world, but all based on the stories we're hearing on the papers, right? She uh, was she was going to the blue. blue yeah, blue. Oh, gosh, you know you know it all. I don't remember. Thanks. <laughs> she was blue from planet, the red, blue red yellow planet, going towards the blue planet, okay. full of hope. Um, and she finds war on the way, obviously, and horrible things happen to her, but she sees it through the, through the perspective of a child. So it's somehow a playful, right? In her, in her vision, she, re, um, she reinterprets uh, reality mm -hmm. in her own way. Um, and I, want, I wanted to be playful in the, in the way I was telling that story, obviously, perspective of a child. So I learned uh, to do puppetry and shadow puppetry which is lovely it's so beautiful and i was i felt that in that play i was more of a technician than an actor for the okay. first half because it was literally like you know you have a screen in front and you have uh, all the shadow puppets behind and i had to press this and it's so it just sees everything smooth and slow but i'm not behind like this <laughs> it's super hard to connect with the story when you have to pay attention to something very technical yeah it takes you out of that space yes. of yeah but i was you know was speaking words at the same time absolutely and doing this technical thing it was almost like a, there was two of me 
You, you, it, luckily, you didn't become bipolar after that. No. But, but that's the fine. risk. That's yeah. the risk of doing that. Yes, I can imagine because sometimes just doing two different things, you feel like, oh, oh. It was a lot of rehearsal. And I had a director. So all my solos, I always invite people to collaborate with me because otherwise you go crazy. Uh, so was that a monologue? Was it was a monologue? monologue, yeah. It was a monologue. Another one. Another one. So tell so me about monologues. why so many... Why, why monologues? Monologues are very amazing. And especially women have been outstanding in this genre. Do you think it's yeah. because we are especially good at intimate stories, intimate situations, telling stories and getting very close to your personal experience and at the same time open to communicate that? I don't know, um, I don't know. Um, but again, if we go back to our mother being, our mothers being our first storytellers, mm -hmm. and us as mothers being a story, and our daughters receiving that, and then we learn it at a young age, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To tell stories. But uh, um, women um, in England just uh, did not perform until you know very late. Uh, it was only male actors in Shakespearean times, for example. And suddenly, uh, women were not allowed to perform. What was that? And suddenly, like, uh, you have, you know, most amazing actresses in 250 years. Uh, you, you have this um, this um, evolution of, of uh, um, women really being amazing storytellers and actors. And maybe there's something about the fact that we, we have instincts as well. Mm. I mean, everybody has instincts, obviously, but there's something about um, maybe women wanting to be open to their instincts, you know, and opening that up into, into the acting as well. It's also a way to do theatre in an easy way and just go and do it. I mean, because you just need yourself, yeah. you need to write a story, you need a place to perform yeah. and conviction, but you don't need a huge um, group of people yeah. telling the story with you. It's, it's just you. I think that that was also an important part of... Yeah, of and the perseverance as well. I think, I mean, you know, uh, we give birth, you know, we go through pain, we can do anything. <laughs> do you yes, know what I mean? Yes. You can do a play by yourself. Yes, you can. And you can you can take lots of rejection. You can and you can carry on. And there is a perseverance in, in our gender. Did you get a lot of rejections? Do you still Gosh, get rejections? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every, it's part of the of the industry to get rejection. Always. And you have to really work uh, to um to understand that, you know, in yourself that it's part of it. It's not necessarily about you, it's about how the industry works mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons why I decided to do my own work and I'm mainly busy with my own work and all the jobs I got for the past few years have been a direct result so at the end of people seeing my work it was good at the end sometimes rejection can be the best thing that can happen to you yeah in order to find your voice yeah. find your your strength and say um, I'm going to do this. You yeah. don't want to do it with me, but I'm going to do it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's it's good to have a little bit of that feeling of revenge. Like, I'm still going to do it. I know it's it. <laughs> because but, it's so necessary. Yeah, but if that's what you want to do, 
Who is going to say it's not, you know? And I'm, I'm impressed, with, uh, uh, very impressed with the research you did for Ephemera. Yeah. Um, I really think it's it's an amazing way to to do community work or to create a, a bridge between real life, real problems, real situations of violence with women and transform that in something good, uh -huh. something that can tell, teach, um, uh, or give orientation to others and and instead of just being sorry of ourselves transform that pain those stories to something useful yeah. to teach something to show something and can you please tell yeah. about the, the the research how did the idea came yeah. and how many people did you interview so um ephemera was a commission I got from uh, King's College and People's Palace Project owned Casa Festival at the time. And uh, it's basically a research that was led by this professor, amazing professor, Kathy McElwain. You've probably heard of her. I heard a, a, a whole conference and I was impressed. She's, she's, she's amazing. She's, she's phenomenal. She, she was talking about you as oh, well. Oh, <laughs> I talk about her all the time. That's what we do, me and her. And we're going to be in a conference together uh, tomorrow, no, Thursday. Yeah. Um, 22 on 22nd. Yes, yes. You you know I my know life. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> no, I... And uh, and um, yes. So she basically gave me her research for me to uh, read um, and uh, create a creative response out of it. And it was a lot of responsibility, right? Because this woman has been doing this for like 25 years, I think. She's one of the first people to champion the Latin American community um, in the academic um, milieu. And um, so I felt, okay, I, I really need to, to do something good, good with it. So um, did, doing the research, it was going to be a two-hander. I had this idea to actually... Uh, um, put the actual interview of the research on stage. Um, all the interviews we're reading were there was someone like you and me now, you know, a person interviewing and the interviewee and the interviewer. And I thought, you know what, maybe that's interesting dram dramaturgically to actually people see that. And so that's what I did. And uh, instead of having several characters, I, st I sticked to one woman called Anna representing all the Brazilian women who were... Uh, interviewed in okay. the research. So you mix up all the stories yes, in her? in her. So I did an amalgamation of the stories into one character. Um, and then I thought, how am I going to... What's the relationship that the audience is going to have to this setup? And I decided to do a meta-theatrical play, which is uh, basically the actors uh, assume they are playing a character. Okay. So I decided to open up the story of the actors on stage too, to, in order to create a relationship with the audience. So what ended up happening is that me and my co-actress, Rosie, we ended up opening up about ourselves and our experiences um, um, of uh, abuse to the audience, um, as well as the, the research. So it's just to say, it, it can be anyone. It's not only a story here that we're telling based on our research. Look at me, it happened to me. You okay. know, and it became so real, and that that created that effect that like the audience is like, oh my, this is real, and really aiming to to ask them to do something. What would happen if it was your 
the person next to you, your, your daughter, sister, you. your daughter, what yeah. would you do, you know? So, um, yeah, a lot of people were like in tears at the end of this show. This was a beautiful show. It was like comedy I and bet. drama in one. <laughs> I bet. And it you was... too, I guess, for you, it was super hard to go through all these these while doing the research yes listening to all these stories yes. that are, there's one that for me was really shock shocking shocking yes the one of the the lady that called the police four times yeah. and they never believed her and because she was she wasn't able to speak the language they they thought he was telling the truth Oh gosh, it happened. So many of those stories. Like, like happen. it's just like you, you say it's not possible. How can someone be so un, uh, unlucky, and how can one be in a situation so unfair? Yeah, it happens quite often. Um, the language it really is a barrier, and also sometimes becomes a, a barrier for um, the person who doesn't speak English and who's here to trust any authority, any figure of authority, so the police or social worker, because of, um, yeah, sometimes they think that, you know, they will not um, welcome me because I don't speak the language, yes. you know, or they will not believe they, me, they'll believe be on the, the other side person. of the other person because he speaks the language. Exactly. Oh, so many stories, it's like, yeah, so um, I, I really thought, like, I wanted to somehow um, um, not abandon any of the stories there yeah. so that's why i combined them all into one character and you took that to brazil yes with your with your colleague yeah how went was that experience it how was, was after creating that yeah, here with in, english. <laughs> in english with brazilian women right yeah. the testimonies were all yeah, brazilian, all brazilian. yeah and then taking that to back to to Holland. It was amazing. It was just amazing because um, we had we had to adapt it a little bit to. So I would speak in Portuguese, and Rosie was playing the person interviewing Anna, was uh, speaking in English, interviewing in English. Oh, wow. So it was quite interesting, and uh, the audience had headphones. Okay. Simultaneous translation. Good. And um, we had two performances. One at the Favela da Maré, a slum in Rio and uh, um, in an art center, beautiful art center in the slums, and another one in Festival Feminista in Rio. So it's more like a middle-class kind of festival. And the reaction was totally different. <laughs> in which way? In, like, they were almost opposite. Like, in the, when we went to perform in the art center in, in the Favela da Mare, uh, everybody afterwards came to speak to, to us, all the women watching came and spoke to us and thanked us so much for, doing the play, that play, and telling us their stories of violence. They felt represented. Totally, and telling their stories of violence to us. It really, it's giving me goosebumps to think about it. It was just like, incredible. Um, and in um, in the Festival Feminista, it was like, it was just a play, you know? For, for yeah, they were quite detached from yeah, the reality. Yeah, I mean, people reacted as well, but in a more behaved way. Okay, and okay. And maybe so it was interesting to see that. that that's also um, the critical mind sometimes doesn't allow you to embrace the feelings, no? Yeah. Because sometimes you all, you feel like you need to have a, you need to have come out with a crit critique, criticizing something or having an opinion. Yeah, I don't know, I think maybe. sometimes... Uh, the critical mind can be can be an obstacle to just yeah. go and feel whatever you need to feel, especially when politics are in, in involved. Yeah, stories, 
with um but the interesting thing is that like you know violence against women is not uh, does not belong to one social class only okay you know the stories we were telling were from all social classes um even though there was one character and when i performed in brighton we had this variety of women from all over the world um like upper class british woman uh, mexican cleaner um, women from Sri Lanka sharing and saying this happened to me mm. and this is how you you realize you know when a play is universal is when you touch people from everywhere in the world who are coming to see your show any social class anywhere in the world um, and and also you realize that it's good I'm doing this because we need to show it and change it and raise awareness absolutely yes. but yes. you raise awareness to change it to right? change to challenge reality. it it actually should be shown in schools for very young girls because that makes you aware conscious of something when something happened and you have a little bit of information already yeah. that maybe this is not that right no, yeah. it, 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 i think it's good for young girls, for young girls especially to, with psychological experience that kind of yeah. Maybe it, it can be strong, but it can also be very, very important. Open mind, and, um, and open, open their eyes, yeah. especially for the, um, the. There's a part that talks about psychological violence, which is something that um, I wasn't so aware of before mm. reading the research. For example, tell me about it. Because yeah. we always think of violence just as only physical, but actually it's also psychological. Sometimes when you read about psychological violence, then you you are like. I think I've been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and like, do you think so? A and, lot and of yes, have been yes. Yeah. You have been there a lot of times, yeah. and you thought it was normal. So, exactly. if you thought it was normal, imagine someone that doesn't even read, mm -hmm. or maybe doesn't have opportunities, didn't have opportunities to rethink her own life and yeah. perspective about things. And you made a a, a film. Also, yeah. out of that story, yeah. so you you reduce the again the story. Yes, or? I adapted it to a short film, and that was also a project from this university. Yes, King's it was. It's amazing they are doing a lot to support yeah. the the Latin American community. They are. They really they yeah, they've been doing it for like a lot a long time. Um, so the film basically came out from the play. There was some money left. Um, from the the project and um, so Kathy came up to me and said Gail do you want to do anything with this money do you want to go on tour with ephemera uh, and I said you know what let's make a film because I feel we'll reach more people with that amazing and we did it and it did so well even and also so because festivals. it was a, a good experience to try also yes. for you and you like My that. first short, short <laughs> film, I've never done a film before. I'm going to try it. <laughs> Amazing. You, so you were the actress and the director. Yeah. And did you adapt I adapted script, it, yeah. Which was also yours. Yes. Amazing. That's really, really good for an artist so young. And uh, coming back to, to that, uh, about the stereotypes of the situations of abuse, these were very... Um, let's say dramatic experiences, but yeah. also we live in a in a world that every day we have, we come across micro abuses, mm -hmm. micro experiences of all kind, and I think that the the podcast you res recently did for this project 
the League of Women's Theatre. And the, the podcast is called. Oh my god, this, this is, is bad. Not, it was just I'm not this. And the not things me. I'm not. These things I'm not. Oh, I'm so, I feel so ashamed because <laughs> it was last week. <laughs> Two I, weeks ago. <laughs> but I knew I was going to have that problem because I always had it. Every things time I, I am I, not. Yeah. Things I am not. She's a great name, actually. <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. Super punchy. I love it. And, and this podcast was presenting 10 stories from 10 different women from different experiences, but all immigrants. Yes. And what I loved about when I read about the idea was, okay, let's not have faces. So you listen to the story. Yeah. I thought that was an amazing strategy because if I have your face, I immediately complete a lot of information yeah. and then I, I assume you judge things. somehow. I judge yeah. somehow, yeah. But but if I'm listening to a story of an Egypt, a girl from Egypt, yeah, and I can't see her face, I just can't hear her words, which were incredibly powerful. Yeah, it is a different experience. It's a, an experience that I definitely recommend to have and your story was about, about a brazilian girl facing yeah. a, a, a bit of this um, situation of having to explain what she's not yeah. basically <laughs> so how did you find your own sense of censorship oh good question gosh i i literally wrote without censoring myself which How? is there is a technique because that you we literally okay. write without censoring yourself. Okay. Um, you need to teach me that one. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> oh, I learned it with this amazing British poet called Inua Elm. Um, Inua Elms. I think I'm saying his name right. Um, and uh, and yeah, and you basically it was a workshop I did when I was an associate at a South Bank Center, and they asked us to write um, a story without censoring yourself, without thinking. So you don't you to put the pen. It's like a, um, there is there's a name in English. It's um you fl flow right. Yeah, it's like you just without write, commas you never stop. Po no, nothing. Just, you you just, can, but you but never take the pen out, out of, of the, the paper. paper. Oh. So you can do the same in front of a computer. You never just keep typing, keep typing. Okay, <laughs> that's interesting. Because if you if you think when you think you stop yourself sometimes. Oh, I shouldn't say that. You know. And when you edit yourself, there's so much yeah. to take away, or you uh, or you put some flourishments on yeah. this. Let me say it this yeah. way or this other way. Were you worried about not um, compromising too much your opinion or not creating stereotypes with I your was. own tell? Yes. So I I do start with a stereotype, and then my aim was to to challenge it and to break it as the story goes along and uh, I was worried about the fact that I was stereotyping men that's what I white meant. British men yeah. yeah sorry but they do but, it <laughs> say to the camera <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and the, so I, I asked some white British male friends to have a read at it before recording it and uh, and they were very encouraging for me to do that and you know what you, you cannot there is a point when you you can't talk about certain things and you cannot change the world without taking a risk mm -hmm. and I decided to take that risk good well yeah <laughs> it's quite bold and but also there is a side to it where the character realizes that um, 
the character is broken, definitely. At the end, there's a revelation, and you see that the, the character, the, the sexual encounters this character has, there is, there is a reason behind it and, and how it doesn't work. Um, that she carries something, a trauma. And, uh, and, the, and she realized that the men also somehow are broken because of the way, you know, society, because of the role society imposes on, on them. Mm -hmm. And it's also, she is, she feels the roles that society is imposing on her as a foreign, as a woman, as a Brazilian woman in particular, from the Amazon. So somehow it's very human because at the end of the day, it's, it's saying we are all facing trauma for different reasons, yeah. but it's, 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 it's our responsibility, but it happened to all of us somehow. Somehow it does, I think. Um, and it's, um, it's our responsibility to heal ourselves. And challenge the vision. Challenge the yeah, social absolutely, vision. Absolutely. And also, um, I guess, I don't know if there's that in the story, but I try to understand the other okay. as well. Yeah. Even if it feels like you are criticizing it, it's yeah. also to say, I understand that I we understand, are all yeah. part of the same game and what we need to change is the game. Absolutely. Yes. And there, there is a sentence in the, in the, in the story that says that, you know, maybe all these people are damaged in a way. And, and I think, yes. Yeah. Um, and how do we how do we heal? How do we change all this um, po uh, the politics of relationships? You know, uh, and and the the games of power, the structure of the structure power. of power. How do we challenge that? And I don't have the answer. I'm an artist. I expose the issue, but I would love to have the answer. But it makes me think. You know, when I create something, how do I challenge that for myself? Of the people around oh, me in my own life exactly because that's co coherency it's it's okay. i have these ideas but i also want to live up to them mm -hmm. i don't want to just talk about these in a play and then accept no, because in it, my own life yeah. things that maybe aren't aren't what i want yes and also you can't be didactic mm. you know you cannot tell an audience what no, to think no this patronizing is your, them. Yeah, patronize mm. them. It's uh, nice. up to each individual to do that work, to, to understand it and accept if they want to. And this Uncensored uh, podcast is going to become a play? Is uh, Do you have a plan regarding um, that? No. I don't have a plan for Uncensored itself, but um, it was the first time I was writing a, a comedy, let's say. Yeah. A sex, a sex comedy, I'm calling it. I don't know if that's such a thing. It is, it is, it is. And uh, I really want to do more of it. So okay. I started thinking of doing a TV series. Um, and uh, yeah, oh, so girl. it won't be the same character. Amazing. But yeah, I'm thinking Amazing. about that. And uh, when you started writing, uh, you were conscious about, okay, let me, let me apply this technique to not uncensor myself, but did you know that you wanted to do a comedy, sex comedy, or, or it just came out I as part of, of the dynamic? I kind of knew, yeah. But also, like, uh, I'm very heavy on structure when I write. So I, I really structure things, even though I say, oh, I wrote all of this and it was uncensored, um, there was a clear structure. And um, in in with like and I filled in the structure with the words. So there was a part one, part two, part three, part four, part five. It was it's in five acts. Every all the stories we tell are somehow in either three or five acts, right? 
It's, it's good, it's good. I enjoy it and I enjoy all of them. I have to say that the quality of the project is quite, it's, it's really, really good. good it's it? really yeah. good. And um, I especially like that thing of not having a face and still mm. listening to a story that makes you imagine a face. You want to have a face but you don't have it so it challenges yeah. you yeah it challenges your stereo your own stereotypes your own uh, the, the the way you you see the world yeah and especially in a society that's so visual right mm -hmm. we get visual information all the time yes. to us through adverts or on the street like everything is visual films um you stop and listen yeah is uh it, it's not our first choice Right? Listening is open-minded. It's an amazing experience, and it's more personal somehow. Much more intimate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, much more. When when you listen to a book, it's not the same that watching a film about the no. book. It's actually very connected with the act of the reading. essence of the what essence the writer of, yeah. wanted to say. Yeah, yeah. Because somehow I don't know. It's 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 more spiritual. Just listening, it's it's quite spiritual because when when we want to have an inside <laughs> of life or whatever, what we what we said, yeah. we ask for. I would I would like to have an answer. You listen to the answer. Yes. It's, it's kind of that kind of connection with uh, with the art. It's very spirit very spiritual in my in my way of seeing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's why music is so um, it's so moving and so and universal moving. and yeah. so easy to like or dislike, right? Yeah. Because it connects with you in a in a God level no, from yeah, a God absolutely. level. And you, I think you you. I'm interested to know because some of the of your uh, stories or or dramas you will tell me were in in an anthology called Un Nuevo Sol. Yes. Was that in Spanish? Did you did you write that in Spanish? No. No. Um, Was it published in Spanish? In English. In English. No, it's all in, in English. English. I think some of them are in both languages. Some of because it's an anthology, so there are several writers in it. I have one for you. Oh, really? Can I? <laughs> oh my God! Yes, really? I brought one for you. That's amazing. I wasn't expecting that. Give it to you now. <laughs> Great. So, I brought two things for you, actually. Um, it's very beautiful, so, the cover. Thank you. Soul. British Latin writers um, was edited by Natalie Taylor and me Aqui Parks. Parks. Yes. Beautiful. So, yeah, there you go. So Natalie is uh, Argentinian and me uh, is um, is the actual editor of the publisher of the of book. The, yeah. Very and uh, it's I'm very really beautiful. The writers are amazing on it. I'm really stoked to be part of it. How many <laughs> stories amazing. were in, in included of you? Oh, of me the just order. one. So we yeah, there you go, it's the other. Uh just one. And um, but it's quite long because it's the extract from um, the other from a play. So so you wrote it's a few that pages a bit as as poetry. Yes, yeah, but also because this is a poetry collection, we kind of rearranged the words to look as such. Okay. Wow! But it's it's poetic language. The other completely. It's not like your usual play. <laughs> And in the future, tell me about your plans apart from this talk you are going to have on with, Thursday, yeah. 
with Kathy, Kathy yeah. and uh, it's it's great. It's going to be in an academic environment. Yeah. Everyone listening to what you have to say about your work. That's beautiful. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, we, we do well that done. sometimes, Kathy and I. Okay, so the students listen to all the experiences you have made. Yes, now. I think it's about the collaborations we've had, so uh, her research and uh, the artistic outcomes I created out of it. And uh, there will be lots of academics as well, other researchers as part of a roundtable. Um, I have to prepare, I haven't prepared yet, but yes, I should. <laughs> you are fine, you just have to talk about what you know best, which is your work. Yeah. And uh, what, what else have you, are you so, working on at the moment? So, um, I am doing several projects at the moment, like every freelance person is like juggling so many different projects. I am co-writing for a company called uh, Limbic Theatre and um, um, I co-write with my partner, Ben Samuels, and we, uh, we just got a commission from the Laurie Manchester, which is uh, quite a, a good thing, a big deal for us. There were like 200 people who applied for it and um, us and I think three others got it oh wow so it was really really good to get it well and done. this is going to be like an audio story but in an immersive experience so it's for people to experience at home and in different rooms of their house and we're going to write a story for people to travel through their house wow amazing really cool. and, and with that company Limbic yeah, you do. You did with them an amazing play. I love that play. I, at the least forecast. I love that. I, I love what I saw. It's like a story, a, a bit futuristic science fiction. Kind Absolutely, yeah. Somehow. It's a dystopian. It's like a dystopian. Uh, in, a, in a dystopian future for women who are garden girls in this uh, upper class British family garden, and then they just stay their ornaments. And uh, they are a bit robotic kind of people. It's just like the beautiful women to look at. It was a bit dystopian, totally. Um, yeah, we went to Edinburgh with it. With and you were, it was for women from different parts different, of the world, yeah. which was very interesting because also, apart from being ornaments, which is already horrible, horrible. and um, I, I, I think somehow the story was very successful at, at being quite intimate in, in, with the stories of these four girls, yeah. but at the same time, it looks really sensational. sensational it is. It, in, we in, were like in massive platforms, big dresses, so we couldn't really move. But there were moments when we did move to do like movement sequences or sing in beautiful traditional songs. Um, so they had like uptime when they were working in those dresses and down when they were like eating or eating sleeping. Or the, okay. Yeah and talking about their lives, but inside the dresses, they were like little tents. But one of the, of the aims of that company is to do things involving uh, technology, uh, yeah, technologies. It it, so uh, that project was not, we didn't really have technology in it. We had shadow puppetry, <laughs> but uh, um, after the forecast, then Limbic started developing work with artificial intelligence and new technologies. Uh, Voice Thief, which we just got the commission for, is where the, we're going to develop um, um, an, an, a new app, basically, just for the project. So we'll really be, hopefully, um, creating uh, something that's new technologically. 
so there are several it's not only artists so there's me and ben who are doing the artistic uh, artistic side but we also have a creative technologist we have a specialist in sound so wow. we work special sound it's amazing it's really um, it's uh, new for me but it's so exciting very collaborative in the in the yeah. sense of different disciplines coming together yes. finding a space to coexist amazing yes. and are you planning to go back to brazil anytime soon oh i really want to um hopefully december <laughs> do you miss do you miss brazil what's I your miss... relationship with brazil it's complex it's um it's a love and hate relationship i think as many people who migrated mm. especially now mm -hmm. right with what's happening there politically um it's yeah, really it's... hard to to follow Swallow. the news yeah um but i i love I mean, it's such a beautiful place, and uh, I miss my family, of course, my parents, but also my all my extended family there, and I miss the beauty of it, like of nature, you know, and and how how warm people are, and um, yeah, you know, there's no place like no, there's no place like home, like but home, you make home homeland. everywhere you go, yeah, and uh, and I I would like to ask you to finish this episode because we are arriving we are on time in time um, <laughs> normally brazilians in brazil my uh, personal experience was that they weren't thinking about themselves themselves really as south americans they were thinking yeah. about themselves mm. as brazilians yeah. and i think the language have a, a important part in this but I feel like you are such a part of the Latin American community in London that you, every time you talk or every time you have an interview or something, you talk as a South American, as a Latin American. Sure. I love that. Um, do you think it's, it, it, it has changed since you live in London? It's part of your experience as immigrant? Yes, it is. Um, um, when I first moved to London, I I don't think I would define myself as Latin American. Mm. I was much younger as well then. But I understood by being here and making friends from uh, other Latin American countries that actually we have similar experiences. And I think that's what unifies us as a continent mm -hmm. and as, as Latin America as well. Um, we have a similar experience of uh, colonialism. We have similar heritage. Uh, we connect the same ways with uh, with nature and with music. Uh, even though we are all different, there is something that makes us um, make same. us have this bond, mm -hmm. you know. And but indeed, it happened here. And we face the same problems here somehow. We do. So, well, I, I I love to know now that you feel so part of the <laughs> Latin American community because. I think we all need each other to keep building yeah. this. And um, uh, do you still feel like an immigrant? Do you think that's going to be forever a feeling in you? I think it will be forever a feeling um, in me of um, somehow being a little bit not belonging completely to anywhere. Because at starters in Brazil, I was half French. You know, so I was already not belonging mm -hmm. somehow. Completely, and then yeah. I came here, and again, I'm not British. <laughs> so.
so there there's a there's and maybe that's why i i'm so like uh, you know involved in the in the rights for migrants and in telling stories of of people who are not from here after all <laughs> it's good to be an outsider i think yeah. it's good i think it's good i welcome the experience and hey. thank you so <laughs> much thank you I'm really really you. i'm really really pleased and honored because i know how busy you are <laughs> and uh, i really wanted to have this conversation with you it's been it's been an amazing pleasure to research your life your career oh. all you have done and i'm very proud as south american <laughs> oh thank you so much Oh, thank you so so much. Thank you. We finally did it. <laughs> we, we tried finally for did. months. And thank you all of you for staying there with us. Big kiss.